1956, during the Hungarian Revolution, my grandmother began a new chapter of her life as a refugee at nine years old. She had first-hand experience in an array of financial statuses. There were times when she had custom-made clothing and a beautiful home, and other times where her parents struggled to put food on the table. Before getting into specifics about her various economic states, it is important to explain how it all began. At nine years old, my family and I, our, our lives were through. My family's life was threatened by people that uh, were talking about coming to kill us because we're Jews. And we had no choice but to flee our home and then our country with not, virtually wearing nothing but the clothes we had on at the time. After hearing you had to leave home and all of your belongings and luxuries behind, what were your first steps? We were, were refugees walking to another country, to Austria, to freedom, where we were greeted by the Red Cross, given food and shelter for the night because we were in an open farmland. And from there, the next morning, we were taken by the Red Cross again in buses, as there were many of us, to Vienna, Austria, where we lived for another nine months. My family was fortunate because we didn't go directly to a refugee camp. We only stayed there two weeks and the rest of the time in a private home. But having been there two weeks, I can only tell you that it's a place you'll never forget. It's just huge rooms and buildings with dozens and dozens of folding cots. And now that was a gift because for the nights before, we slept on the floor. So now... The cots with no blankets were a luxury. What was your life like in Hungary versus in the U.S.? What did you and your family have to give up to immigrate, and how were your financial statuses different in each of the countries you lived in? Life has now changed forever. No more beautiful clothes. No more beautiful toys. Beautiful home. No more custom-made shoes for the nine-year-old little girl. From that moment, we left our house. Everything became hand-me-downs. Picking out clothes from Salvation Armies and other uh, thrift shops, buying a dress for a dollar or two just to keep clothes. Somehow, when you're a child, that little, I'm not sure I really thought about it as being poor. You know, it was what it was, and you just have to keep keep on going. But my parents had a very difficult time. My mother got very sick. She was in the hospital for three months. And my father... Um, with her every day in the hospital and had to um, a family hired um, rented a one room for us 
with a German family to take care of us while my dad was with my mom. Uh, the good news was that my father was a very smart man, and while we had to run for run with not, with no clothing or anything, my father, when we went to we went up to Budapest, which is where our, his cousins lived that came with us. His cousin, being a shoemaker, sewed my father's gold coins into the hem of his coat and the seams of his riding boots. And so on those gold coins, we lived in Vienna in a private home for about eight months. And that was very nice because we had people to be with that, that took, took care of us. We went to, we went to work with, um, we, we went to work with um, the lady who we lived with, who cleaned office buildings. And my seven-year-old brother and I would bang on typewriters all night while she cleaned office space. The journey of a refugee is risky, fearsome, and challenging. Like many refugee crises, including the current refugee crisis in Syria, a lot of refugees and immigrants are experiencing extreme poverty. What financial and social problems did you encounter during your childhood as a Hungarian refugee and U.S. immigrant? My father's dream was to come to America, but that took four years, and I had to learn three different languages along the way. Because when we left Hungary, of course, we spoke Hungarian. In Austria, I had to learn to speak German. And then from Austria, when we finally did go to, we, had, we couldn't get papers to come to the United States because we didn't have immediate family to sponsor us. So now we have to go to Canada. And again, another language. So English was now my third language. And of course, everything became difficult because children are very cruel and they don't understand that circumstances bring you to this level of poverty where your hair looks funny, your clothes look funny because they're just, uh, they're just a collection of everybody else's stuff that they gave away. So the language barrier definitely led to some of your financial and social challenges. What other issues did you face regarding your education and family income? So it's bad enough that kids were very cruel because I didn't speak their language. But I was when I started school in Canada, I was put into the fifth grade when I really should have been in the eighth grade. And one of the worst things about that now is that again they get to be bullies because everybody thinks I'm a left back and again I'm stupid and it, it does nothing for my social life because why would I want to go to a party with fifth graders or why would fifth graders want to invite a beta looks like a left back so now the social you know now the social scene was a huge problem or 
non-existent actually. So it was difficult. And so, so we lived in Canada for three years in a neighborhood that was pretty much their life was the same as mine, except they were from different countries. Refugees and immigrants from other parts of the world just scraping by to make ends meet by um, whatever they had to do to put food on the table. My father was a butcher and he got sick and my mother got a job in a poultry factory, a live poultry factory, cleaning chickens for a quarter. And if you don't know what cleaning chickens is, is ripping off the feathers off a dead chicken. And for each one that she cleaned, she got 25 cents. She really didn't go very far. So she had to work very hard to uh, clean enough of them to be able to put food on, on you know, the dinner table. And it's really hard for people, young people of today, no matter what um, your, your financial status is, even if you think you're poor, it's hard to understand because refugees are below, way below the poverty level. They have nothing. And so, like I said, the neighbors around us, it was like a melting pot of, of refugees poor people and when you look you know I didn't feel that way when I was a kid but looking back now it felt like the sun didn't shine in our neighborhood very much because it was just sad people worked very hard and pretty much got nowhere but they worked they were very very hard at working people and so three years later and a lot of paperwork later um, a friend of my father's was able to get us papers to to immigrate to. So in 1960, having left our home in 1956, four years later, we finally get to my father's dreamland, United States of America. And he swore he'd never let his children live in the hellhole that we lived in in Toronto. So he got a job working 70 hours a week just so we could afford to live in a decent neighborhood. And I went to summer school to try to catch up with my grades. So I skipped the seventh grade over the summer. And then the next six years, I went to summer school and graduated high school at 17. But um, during, during the time that we moved to Detroit, because we lived in a nicer neighborhood than, let's say, than we could afford, because we're, um, we're still living out of hand-me-downs, there was a group of young girls in 7th and 8th grade that were very, very cruel. They were like... Um, Oh, they called themselves sorority sisters in seventh grade. And they had these beautiful sweatshirts with their names on it. And everybody else was just garbage. And they would 
hectic, especially me, because again, I didn't look, I didn't fit in. And um, they just did, did thing, very cruel things to me, not physically, but I could never go home to my parents and cry to them because they were working so hard to try to, you know, make a living, put food on the table. Both my parents worked. They could never come to school for a um, teacher's meeting because what, why bother? You can't speak the language. So um, my parents never came to any meetings. And um, I didn't feel bad about that. I felt worse for them. Then they both went to night school to learn to speak English. And this is how they kept bettering and bettering themselves, trying to um, function in a whole world full of strangers. So, but they were very loving, and because of that, I guess you, you just learn to go with it and survive all the cruelty. You mentioned the fact that immigrants and refugees are working so hard but are not succeeding financially, which is relevant to poverty today, not only refugees, but those living in poverty in general. Throughout this Global Scholars Poverty Unit, I've been fascinated by the way poverty changes from region to region from visiting homes on Dollar Street to learning about economic problems in different locations, I've become more aware of different types of poverty and different lifestyles depending on the region. After thinking more and more about your story and your economic instability in certain locations, I'm wondering what the correlation is between poverty and being a refugee or immigrant. From personal experience, can you give me a little bit of insight into what your perspective is on refugees associated with poverty? So just so you understand, there's a huge difference between being a refugee and living amongst poverty, because people that are poor, generally speaking, still have a bed to sleep on, a roof over their heads. A refugee leaves their beautiful home behind and sleeps sometimes out in a, a barn if someone allows them to, a farmer allows them to, until they get to some destination point where they're taken into um, a camp of some sort. And you have to depend on the, on the kindness of people in organizations, private people. You have to depend on, on the goodness of their heart to help you get through one day because you have nothing. What were the organizations that benefited you and your family the most, and why were they so valuable? Did they help you out financially and take off any of the pressure of leaving everything behind and having to start basically fresh with absolutely nothing? Charity organizations that I was a recipient of, many of them I don't remember because, again, I was a, a little girl. Some of them I do because one was care, Salvation Army, um, Red Cross, which was amazing, and numerous, numerous thrift shops where, you know, you forget the name of the organization, but they're, they're set up to collect used clothing that's donated by people. And um, that was like, those were our, our finest clothes. For a very long time, because now we were renting a house, so now my parents had to pay rent, 
and of course food and whatever else necessities but a, a lot of places were very kind hebrew schools allowed the children refugee children to go to school for free for my part i didn't have to go in margo i know that care was one organization that was really meaningful to you in your journey as a refugee will you expand upon what it does and why it was and is still so special to you so the morning that the bus took us to vienna everybody was handed what they call a care package and this is given to people that have nothing and you'll see why it's like a ziploc bag and it has a washcloth a bar of soap a toothbrush a toothpaste and a hair comb and these are your life's possessions and then from there they took the children into a huge warehouse again run by care and allowed them each to pick out a toy that they wanted just to make them feel good and i picked out a little black doll she's still in my closet 61 years later same dress on untouched because as such a precious um part of my life that i didn't let my own daughter play with it she could play with it while i was cleaning out my closet and then we had to put it back that's how precious it was because when you have nothing and you get something like that to fill a huge hole in your heart it doesn't have to make sense that it's just a doll it was just my past it was everything left behind your childhood as a hungarian refugee and later us immigrant provides insight to what it's like experiencing poverty as a refugee you've been in different financial states and in a multitude of nations and have conquered economic and social challenges that today's refugees face every day it is undeniable that there's a strong connection between immigration and poverty and i hope to continue to explore that